This is AgriPulse Open Mic, brought to you by CHS. CHS is a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States, diversified in energy, grains, and foods. CHS is committed to helping its customers, farmer owners, and other stakeholders grow their businesses through its domestic and global operations. I'm Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. The senior Kentucky Republican senator spent last New Year's Eve in negotiations with Vice President Joe Biden to avoid increased taxes due to budget sequestration. Senator McConnell was also successful in forwarding legislation to extend a modified extension of the 2008 Farm Bill and some relief from the death tax. The single most uh, significant accomplishment, in my view, long term for Kentucky agriculture was the $5 million per person estate tax exemption indexed to inflation and permanent law. Now, obviously permanent law can be changed, but it doesn't have a cliff where you come to one day and it's all gone. So I think that was an important accomplishment for Kentucky agriculture. Then shifting to, uh, to the Farm Bill, the Senate's passed a multi-year Farm Bill. The House has uh, divided uh, the bill into nutrition and and uh, and, a, and a farm bill they passed a farm bill we anticipate they're going to take up and pass some kind of nutrition bill when we go back in in september hopefully at that point those two bills will go to conference with a senate bill that includes both the challenge of separating <clears throat> is that the agriculture doesn't have as much influence in the House because the House of Representatives is based on population. There just aren't as many people in farm territories as there used to be. Agriculture is in a stronger position in the Senate because every state has two senators. Um, at some point, my guess is these are going to have to be married up. The Democrats do control the Senate. They're in the majority. They care more, a lot more about food stamps than they do about production agriculture in order to get an outcome. What we will not do for sure is go back to the 1949 law. Um, as you know, I was involved in getting the extension uh, New Year's Eve. That's not our first choice, but we're not going to let the farm bill expire. When we think about roadblocks along the way, it used to be of one commodity or the other. It seems nutrition is our roadblock now. The Senate has approved and said yes to $4 billion in cuts in nutrition. The House Ag Committee's plan was $20.5 billion. And the word that I hear is Mr. Cantor will offer legislation that will talk about $40 billion in cuts. Assuming we ever come to conference, there's a wide chasm of compromise between 4 and 40. There is. There has, however, been an explosion in food stamp funding. 80% of the Senate bill was food stamps. Not production agriculture, but food stamps. Um, th- there is some aversion. Uh, to the amount of money we're spending on food stamps. And that has complicated the traditional marriage between nutrition and production agriculture that's produced farm bills. It ain't going to be easy, but we're not going to let the current uh, farm bill expire, and hopefully we'll get a new multi-year bill. When you come back to work in September, talk about the sequestration and the fiscal challenge of a fiscal 14 budget. What's the debate? Well, look, two years ago this month, we promised the American people on a bipartisan basis that we would reduce federal discretionary spending by $2.1 trillion over the next 10 years. This year, that would have involved about a 2 2.5% cut 
in federal spending. Most families have cut spending more than that on multiple occasions over the last few years. The sequester is not the best way to keep the promise that we made to the American people, but it is a way to keep it. And my view is we ought not to <clears throat> reduce a, a, a penny less, we ought not to cut spending a penny less than we promised to do just two and a half years on a bipartisan basis. Is it going to have an impact on people that benefit from the government? I'm sure it will. Catastrophic? I don't think so. The money that you make and the money that you have to pay. And from the farmer's standpoint, we have benefited in the Midwest from low utility rates. The president was unsuccessful last year in legislation that would have forced some issues with regard to climate change and particularly that would have affected coal. As I understand, his administration has said, we're not going through Congress, we're going to do through the regulatory agencies now. Is the war on coal over and what's at stake? No, it's, it's continuing. Actually, the president couldn't get his cap and trade climate control <clears throat> bill through his first two years when he owned the Congress, when he had huge margins in the House and Senate. Passed the House, didn't pass the Senate. Now, as you suggest, Jeff, he's trying to do it by regulation. The Congress is an inconvenient uh, obstacle, so he's going to try to do it by regulation. We've got a depression in eastern Kentucky with a D, depression. 5,000 coal mining jobs lost. Three or four jobs are lost for every coal mining job that's lost. But it's important to remember a war on coal is actually a war on Kentucky as well because of the utility rates that you referred to. The two great advantages we have had historically in economic development have been location and low utility rates. Uh, we used to have, in some years, the lowest utility rates in the whole country. 90% of our electricity comes from coal. A war on coal is a war on Kentucky. It's underway, full speed, by this administration. The best way to begin to stop it is to make me the majority leader of the Senate next year rather than the minority leader of the Senate. Right now, the Senate is led by a guy from Nevada who says coal makes you sick. That's the agenda setter in the Senate today. We could begin to push back against this administration. We have a new Senate and a new Senate leader, and that's what we intend to do in 2014. Agriculture policy with the Farm Bill is important. Immigration bill also has come from the Senate. I think most would suggest it's not a perfect bill, but it is done. The House is working at a different pace. Instead of one piece of legislation, multiple pieces of legislation. How willing in this compromise, and is there the political will in Washington to complete that this year? Well, it should have been broken up into pieces. The only reason we did, <clears throat> the only reason we did comprehensive is because the Senate majority Democrats is only, are only interested in one thing, which is to make people who are in the country illegally citizens as rapidly as possible, presumably because they think they will be voting Democratic. The, the, the better way to have done it would have been to break it up in pieces. We've got a, a better agricultural workers provision in the Senate bill, and I anticipate in the House bill as well. Uh, we've made a dramatic improvement in the direction of merit-based immigration, an improvement over the current law. What ought to be done is exactly what the House is doing, split it up into its pieces. Some will pass, some may not. But we ought to put on the president's desk things like a new E-Verify program that works, a new agricultural guest worker program that works, an expansion in the H-1B visas, the high-tech visas that so many of our industries need that works. All of those are pieces of the puzzle in the Senate, but the whole puzzle becomes more complicated because of the, the amnesty question, 
and the border security question, both of which led me to vote against the Senate bill. If I sit in the position of a farmer, I look at a paradigm shift. Commodity prices are going to move lower. Interest rates are probably going to move higher. I am threatened by potentially higher utility rates. And if I'm a certain segment of agriculture, more difficult to get workers. The plight of the number one industry appears to me that there's a lot of roadblocks in the way. And I don't see the bipartisan will of the Congress to resolve these to put rural America first. Well, bipartisanship to do what? You know, um, we're not going to go over and enable the president to do more of what he did the first two years when he controlled the Congress. The reason for all these challenges is this is an extraordinarily anti-business administration. They've got an army of new regulators who believe that if you're making a profit, you're up to no good. You're either cheating your customers or mistreating your employees. You've got the implementation of Obamacare, which is destroying the 40-hour work week and driving the cost of premiums up. The day you and I are doing this interview, UPS announced they were dropping their spousal coverage because of Obamacare. This administration is wreaking havoc with the whole private sector, and that has an impact on agriculture along with everything else. What we need is a, is a new Congress that believes in American business and the opportunity to create jobs and opportunity for our people and to get the heavy foot of the federal government off the neck of American business, including American agriculture. Can you look in your in your political crystal ball and tell us, with regard to the farm bill, with regard to crop insurance, what are plausible opportunities? Uh, when do we run out of time? Well, on crop insurance, as, as you probably reported to your listeners, the Democrats in the Senate tried to get rid of the uh, uh, crop insurance for tobacco farmers. I led the opposition to that, and we defeated it. Um, so that was a good a good sign. The estate tax is a good thing. As I indicated to you earlier, we're not going to go back to the 1949 agriculture scenario. Uh, we will get an outcome, hopefully a multi-year farm bill. At the worst, we will extend the current farm bill, which we had to do at the end of the, uh, of the, of the current year. Senator Flake says he and his group will not vote for an extension if direct payments are in it again. If we have to give it up, I wonder what's left in that farm bill that would make me really want it in the first place. Well, the, the Senate version, as I understand it, does not have direct payments. It's, it's a crop insurance. Approach. But if we're voting for another extension, an extension of the of the law, well, we're looking that, at... You know, I, I think we will extend it. I don't think any handful of senators are going to keep us from extending. Nobody's going to want to go back to the 1949 law. That'd be insane. So with the last of this... What's this about, this, this debate, this countryside? You're speaking a year in front of the election, and the national media is coming to you and already asking about races. I find it interesting. We're talking about who's going to be in office and not talking about the issues that are in front of the voters that you and I are facing right now. Well, these are big issues about the future of the country. We've added more debt in the last four and a half years than all the presidents from George Washington to George Bush. We've taken over American health care. We passed a financial services bill, Dodd-Frank, that's sort of Obamacare for banks. Uh, we've added 150,000 bureaucrats. We have a mountain of debt. This is an argument worth having. The American people need to know what this administration has done to the country and need to be given an opportunity to take us in a different direction. Our guest on AgriPulse Open Mic, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. 
AgriPulse Open Mic has been brought to you by CHS, a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States. I'm Jeff Daly.